DJ and PK joined now by David Nixon, former Cougar, former NFL linebacker, BYU TV football analyst. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line, T-Mobile and Sprint, coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. DJ, what's going on? 55 to 3 is going on, David. <laughs> that was a beatdown. Uh... Listen, you, you saw Kenny Matalolo's comment after the game, just saying, hey, we weren't prepared at all, uh, BYU was. and Yeah, it's pretty evident from step one. I mean, BYU jumped on early and, and did not take their foot off the gas pedal. It was uh, it was fun to see. Honestly, we were talking about it as a, as a crew. I I think this might be the most complete game of Kalani Satake's era. I mean, uh, all three facets of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And so – it was fun to watch, especially the first game of the year, because everyone always has question marks on their first game, right? I mean, you hear reports coming out of fall camp that they're looking great, certain guys are sticking out, things are starting to gel, uh, but you still have that kind of that question mark in the back of your head, that doubt that, hey, are these reports true or not? Are they going to come out and lay an egg? And, and sure enough, they, uh, they kind of showed out. So um, it was fun to watch. It was definitely fun to watch. So I think the one thing that I take away, and you can tell me if I'm right or not, but I read a preview talking about uh, NFL-caliber guys you could watch week one because there were no Power 5 games, right? Even the three leagues that are playing, nobody played week one. But it was kind of for college football fans and NFL fans. Well, watch these guys, right? Because uh, SMU's quarterback's an NFL draft prospect, and there's this D lineman and this safety and blah, blah, blah. And then they got to like the seventh one in the list, and I saw BYU offensive line. And they were talking about the scouts are looking at four guys. Now, maybe they won't all make it, but you figure at least a couple of them will. And even if you're, you know, if you're the third or fourth best offensive lineman in an O line and you're a, you know, projected as a fringe NFL guy, you're pretty good. So, given the fact that we know NFL scouts believe in them, at least to some degree, that they're coming back to see them one more time, and the fact that they just ran for 300 yards on Navy, should we believe that the BYU offensive line is going to push people around all season? I think so. I mean, and listen, these are the whole bunch of guys. Because of the injuries last year, you had a rotation of six, seven guys that got playing time last year um, and, and played well. I mean, keep in mind, they were blocking for three separate quarterbacks last year and, and still had success. So uh, they're, they're hogs, and, and they were out there, and, and uh, they, they kind of proved their value uh, last night with, with what they did, as you mentioned, uh, 301 rushing yards, 580 total yards. I mean, uh, Zach had all day, you know, passing the ball. He dropped back. They had 279 passing yards. And so they controlled that line of scrimmage. They had a, the surge for them. They were two, three yards on the field every play. And keep in mind, yeah, it is Navy. And I, and I pointed out in the tweet that they had, I think it's like a 49-pound advantage on Navy's defensive line. Uh, I mean, they were just – Navy. expect with uh, any of these, you know, Air Force, Navy, Army, you expect to have that type of size differential. But typically, those service academies counter that with just how they are, right? I mean, these, these are guys who fight for our country, and um, they're not going to just lay down. They're, they're, they're going to fight till the last minute. But – uh, BYU just pushed them all around, and it was it was impressive to see. But there's no question. I think the strongest unit on that offensive side of the ball is the offensive line. And of course, if you have a strong offensive line, uh, you can protect your quarterback, you can create holes for your running backs, uh, and then you allow time for your quarterback to get the ball to your receivers. So it helps everyone the whole offensive side of the ball. So I think that's something to watch. And and uh, uh, you know, I think I think they do legitimately have three or four guys that will be able to make it to the pros.
um, that they can kind of keep up with, with what they did last night. So on the broadcast, they were uh, throwing Navy a lifeline, pointing out, well, they haven't been hitting. It's very unusual, but, you know, <laughs> the 2020 football season is very unusual. So welcome to the party. Uh, how much of this would you put on the fact Navy wasn't hitting and how much of a hey, BYU's offensive line has size, they got, they got quality, and they were going to do this no matter what Navy did in uh, scrimmage? Yeah, I, listen. I think I think there is a little bit something to that where if you haven't been able to hit live contact, you know, uh, Ken was saying since last year their bowl game, uh, it's tough. I, I I totally agree. It's tough. That being said, after the first or couple two series, then you get the feel of what it's like to hit again. I mean, these are kids that have been playing football since Pee Wee, right? I mean, it's not like all of a sudden within nine months they've lost the complete feel of how to go hit somebody um, and how to play the game of football. Uh, but it, it definitely it definitely hurts, and, and it showed. BYU jumped on early, right? Uh, defense uh, forced three and out. Offense goes down, score, uh, and that was kind of the, the name of the games. But um, you know, it, it, it doesn't help. But also, I don't know if you you can blame that entire game on the fact that you weren't able to tackle in fall camp. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess you can make excuses if you want to. So, uh, what did you think of Zach Wilson? 13 of 18, 232 yards, had the pick with the receiver stumbling. You know, the, the run game looks good, and the play-action game ought to make life pretty good for a quarterback off that. How did you think he did? Yeah, you know, I thought he did really well. Um, and, and what I was watching was his decision-making, and uh, because that's something that I think all Cougar fans have wanted to see him get better at, uh, was maybe not trying to force the ball into, into tight spots. I think he actually did a terrific job. Like you said, the interception was Neil Powell coming out of his break, uh, stumbled a bit over the linebacker's foot, it looked like, and uh, and then the ball just flew, and, and the DB had an easy break on it. So um, I, I don't know if I necessarily chalked that up to Zach, per se, uh, but the rest of the night he had a couple plays where he probably could have gone for the more risky pass and tried to squeeze in the window, but instead he checked it down, um, and and he lived to fight another day, and he got a good gain off it. So – I think that's what everyone wants to see with Zach. Can he go from a sophomore year um, where last year he threw 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, almost a one-to-one pass, uh, touchdown to, to interception ratio? Can he get up into that two-to-one, three-to-one ratio where he's just making better decisions? Uh, and and with, once again, with that offensive line, I think Zach will notice that he doesn't have to go out there and win the game himself. I mean, now with Tyler Algier, with the way he played yesterday, the way he ran downhill, um, when he, with Lopini Katoa, the way he's playing – I mean, you've got Jackson McChesney came in and played well. I mean, you've got uh, a running back room that's very capable. And so for Zach, it's, you don't have to go out there and win this thing yourself. Let your, let get the ball in the, in the hands of your playmakers uh, and make good decisions. Don't turn the ball over. Make good decisions. And I think this team can have success. I think where he struggled in the past is that uh, I think he felt too much pressure on himself. That he needed to get out there and scramble and he'd fumble it or he'd hold, hold on to the ball too long because he wanted to throw the deep ball and and make a big play, and you know he gets sacked and fumble, or or uh, or he throw a pick. So um, I think I think all fans want to see him take that next step in maturity, uh, where he start to understand the game a little more, starts to slow down a little more, but more importantly, he start to make better decisions. Uh, and I think we saw that from uh, last night. So defensively, uh, we talked about how good the O line was. Obviously, defensively, they limited Navy thirty nine carries, one hundred nineteen yards. It's 3.1 yards per carry, so that's really good, especially when you consider Navy broke off two big run plays. So really, 
<laughs> the rest of them. It was a couple yards of snap. How much of the credit goes to Tonga? How much of the credit goes to that D-line? How just in complete control did you think those guys were? It was it was insane. Uh, probably the best defensive outing I've ever seen during the college to talk era um, from, from this defense. And it really all started up front with Kyrus Tonga. I, I, I love watching Kyrus. I'd sit there and watch play after play, just watch him particularly. I wouldn't even watch the quarterback and where the ball's going. And and they tried to double team him various times, and he'd split the double team. He'd take care of the dive. And that's how it is in this triple option. You have to take care of the dive first because that's their first read. That's where they want the ball to go, uh, especially maybe with their, their running back. Uh, he, he was their big stud. And, and Kyrus has swallowed it up. I mean, they basically eliminated that option throughout the whole night, and they forced the quarterback into then – uh, going to his next read, which is him tucking it or trying to pitch it to the running back. Uh, and then that's where the credit goes to BYU's linebackers. You know, BYU's linebackers with Isaiah Kafusi, um, uh, Pepe Tanavasa, who, who transferred from Navy, uh, had, you know, led the team in tackles last night, uh, and, and the, the rest of the crew. I mean, they were flying around making plays. And, and I, I will say this, when you play Air Force, uh, any type of schools, Navy, Army, this triple option, you really do feed off each other. I remember playing them in my days. When, when you're stuffing them and they're only getting one or two yards per carry and they're forced into a third and long, which is, which is where they're not comfortable at all, you just feed off each other, and it's, it's, a, it's a riot. It's a, it's a blast out there. Uh, conversely, if, if they're just in their way and, and gashing you with eight, nine yards per carry, it's, uh, it's the longest night you'll ever have your entire life. Uh, so it goes both ways. But this BYU defense was dominating. The, the secondary, I love to watch the secondary. Secondary was coming up, fly, flying, hidden guys. You look at Troy Warner, they actually moved him to corner. He's been playing safety all camp. They moved him to corner to provide kind of that more, um, more, of, a, more of a tackler on the outside. Uh, but uh, Zane Harrison was coming down from the safety position. It was, just, it was fun to see. It was a well-oiled machine in game one, which, like I said, typically in first games you expect there to be uh, some things you got to work through. But this BYU team was, was rolling, and it was – I mean, it showed the score of 55 to three, it's, and then that's after you pulled all the starters midway through the third. I mean, if if Kalani wanted to run it up, he easily could have. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of guys got other reps. And it was fun because a lot of these kids during fall camp, uh, you know, they've grinded, they've they've worked hard, and it was fun to kind of reward them there at the end, let a whole bunch of kids, uh, second, third stringers, get in and and you know get a little taste of what it's like to have some live game action. So you've talked about the most complete performance of the Kalani era, and I think people remember yeah, four years ago, his first year they went back and really won pretty easily at Michigan State, dominated that. A couple of years ago it was a close game, and they won at Wisconsin, and last year Tennessee, USC at home, and giving Boise State their only regular season loss. Those kind of jump out at me as, what is that, four, five, five, I guess, uh, five best wins of the Kalani era. So rank this amidst those five. Where do you put it? Well, it's tough to obviously put this game on par with winning at Wisconsin and being a ranked USC team at home in overtime like we saw last year. Um, but I would say it's in the top five. And, and, and like I said, I think because of the fact that you come off a very disappointing end of the season last year with losing to San Diego State, then losing uh, against Hawaii in the bowl game, where many thought that this that, that should have been a pretty promising season after going 2-2 two and two in the month of September and beating USC at home. Um, and so BYU fans expected to, to – I mean, BYU was ranked at one point uh, after beating USC, uh, and, then, and then they really just stumbled against Toledo in, in South Florida. And so – I think, uh, if anything, this, this game provides BYU fans a little bit of hope to say, 
okay, yeah, we, we thought on paper we had a great team going into the season, uh, and, and now there's maybe some consistency here where they're back, you know, living up to that hype and living up to that name. And, and that's what they did last night. So the big question is next weekend's Army. Can there be some consistency here where they go out and they, and they you know, beat up on Army? And now BYU fans really start to you know, buy into the hype. But listen, we've all been on this roller coaster before, right? Like I said last season, kind of up and down, up and down. Um, can, can BYU have some type of consistency and, and win at a consistent pace? I think that's what everyone's so anxious about. But, you know, up to now, you're, you're relishing in, in this victory. And, uh, you know, that, that's a team that went 11 2 last year. There's no, there's no, there's no slouches. Uh, but that being said, they were replacing their, their star quarterback, who's now with the Miami Dolphins. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great start. And, and we'll see if, what they can put together against Army. I mean, it's, uh, you saw what Army did to Middle Tennessee. So um, I think it should be a pretty solid matchup uh, in about a week and a half. See, David, you've turned into a broadcaster. You're not even the player X player anymore. You, you halfway answered my next question because you know where this is going. I think there's always in college football, at the end of that opening game, no matter what happens, is like, well, is this team that good or is that team that bad? You know, I, I can remember in the Utes 2004 season and they beat Texas A&M really badly. And I thought, well, if A&M's is good – then the Utah team, how good? You know, it all gets confirmed as you go forward, but I think you can literally pick any year and you can pick a handful of opening games. And I think this year, let's pick two. Is Army that good or is Army that bad after beating Middle Tennessee State 42 nothing? And is BYU this good or is uh, Navy uh, that bad after that 55-3? to So of the four teams, and I don't know how much you watched of Army and Middle Tennessee State – is there anything you can say definitively about any four of them, or do you really need a second game to check all of this? Well, this is why I always joke about, even as a player, I felt the same way. I mean, the preseason polls are a joke, and then the, they start putting out the, the rankings after week one, two, three. Those are a joke because, like you said, you have no idea where you stand or, or whether these teams are any good or not. I mean, you can look back at the end of the season. In fact, I remember this in 2008, my senior year, we played Washington, we beat them early on the season uh, on uh, Jake, you know, Jake Locker threw the ball in the air and uh-huh, we blocked right. extra point to yeah. win. And so we were on top of the world thinking, man, we just beat a solid uh, Washington team. And sure <laughs> enough, I think that year they went over. They, they didn't did. Win a game. They did. <laughs> and, so, and so it just goes to show you, you have no idea. You can only, obviously you can only play your best ball and, and, and uh, you know, play the teams in front of you and, and hope that they do well the rest of the season. But um, you, you just never know. And I, that's, I think even listen as players, they're probably thinking the same thing right now. They're like, wow, we just put together a soft performance. Are we, are we that good or is maybe that bad? I mean, I, you, you wonder a little bit, and, that, and that's why, you know, I was mentioning this last night on our post-game show, I guarantee these guys wish they could play this Saturday. Tom Homo came out and said, listen, we're not going to put our guys through this, having to go back, you know, East Coast uh, road trips, kind of back-to-back weeks. We didn't want to try and squeeze a game in for this Saturday to be too close and too brutal. It's unfortunate right now as you look hindsight because – I guarantee those BYU players want to get back on the field tomorrow because uh, you have that kind of that taste in your mouth. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to wait a week and a half to get out of there and play again. But we'll see. I mean, that, that's what's so fun about college football, right? I mean, it's, it's a week-to-week game, and, and early in the season, you're not quite sure who's going to be good, who's not. And, uh, you know, that's why you, you, you line up and play the game. But um, regardless, it's exciting to see the, the potential this team has and, and, and frankly, I think it's good for the players as well because they can see that if they are that they all do play as kind of one big unit and, and they play pretty much flawlessly, 
what they're capable of. And, and that's, a, that's a thumping on a, on a good Navy team, a well-coached Navy team, a well-disciplined Navy team. Um, and, and you can kind of see once you, when you put it all together, when all three phases of the game are rolling, kind of, kind of what the result can look like. Well, uh, I am 100% on board with Tom Homo and Kalani Sataki deciding, hey, let's have a bye week. Because from the go look up the 2000 team that had to travel back east to play uh, Syracuse and Virginia and Florida State, and they got drilled twice and had an incredible rally to beat Virginia in overtime. Traveling is hard. And just look at last year's team that lost to Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii and had all those games and lost them all in the fourth quarter. Just got completely outplayed in the fourth quarter of all three of those games. So travel is hard. It would add up. And if you're going to go to Navy and go to Army in three weeks, I think having the third week be a bye week is a really good plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I would totally agree. And, and keep in mind, I mean, when you're playing Navy and Army, you get beat up even that much more uh, because those guys are just relentless on the other side of the ball. And they run that triple option, so you've got guys cutting you and chopping you at the legs, and so your legs are sore, and, and you've got both the bruises you, you didn't know that uh, you could have after you face teams like this because it's not, it's not normal football, right? I mean, you, this year, you'll be face, we'll face uh, you know, Army and Navy, which run the triple option, but up till now, uh, it had been like I think five or six years since BYU faced a triple option team. And so it's just not something you're used to. Um, and, and so I agree. The, 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 buy, the buy works, obviously. I think what Tom was originally hoping to do was get an FCS-type team yeah. this Saturday, which would have helped because hopefully, once again, your starters are out by the halftime and you've got other guys in. But, but I think ultimately it was, the right, it was definitely the right call um, and uh, leave, this, leave this Saturday open and then, and then roll from there. But um, – you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens now. It's funny because Kirk Herbstreit uh, and Reese mentioned Reese Davis mentioned on the on the call that uh, you know we'll, we'll see if teams want to play BYU. You know, Tom Homo alluded to the fact that they, they wanted to fill the last call it two, three, four games towards the end of the season with other teams, and and, and we'll see if if uh, other teams are up to that. You might have some teams that are just like, ah, oh, we'll pass for now. But uh, obviously, a lot of football to be played, and and we'll see how this BYU team shakes out. But uh, once again, a really complete game by them. Uh, it was fun to watch it, you know, come all about from from really the start of the the first snap of the game. Uh, BYU deferred. They, they forced Navy to go three and out, stuff the stuff the triple option, then the offense just rolled straight down, really by just rushing the ball uh, and just kind of just giving them their own taste of their own uh, medicine. Just just rush the ball and just kind of cram down their throats and then just rolled from there, kept the momentum and rolled from there. So fun to watch and and we'll see uh, we'll see how they can do. And we can have against Army and, and uh, see what type of BYU team we have this year. You know, I think it's going to be hard to schedule teams later in the year. Uh, one reason is, you're right, competitively. There are going to be some teams that are like, yeah, we want no part of that. What's the point? Uh, I think the other thing is we're going to see games delayed and teams are going to have to plug conference games into bye weeks. You know, TCU, SMU, if they have a chance, they're going to want to replay their rivalry game. Uh, not have one of them take on BYU. So I think that's another thing that's going to make it difficult. But I'm not completely without hope because I can see a team that thinks they're pretty good, that thinks they need one more quality win to get into a playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl game, say, yeah, we'll play BYU to prove something. Yeah. So that's the one scenario that's out there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's Tom's hope. And listen, I think if, if those teams don't emerge, I think there's still probably plenty of teams that Tom could call up and, and make it a pay game where, um, you know, he finds a way to, to have them come out here and we'll pay him a little bit of money to make it happen. So 
I, I think he'll get a couple more games. I think he's just holding out to try to get some of those big P5 bigger names uh, before he spills it up with, with others. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's this, interesting, this season, as you mentioned at, at the beginning of the interview, this is just a crazy season that, that there's no playbook for, right? I mean, I feel like it's kind of for the first-time parents. Um, and in fact, Taysom, uh, Taysom Hills, you know, my brother-in-law, and they just had their first little kid, and we were laughing about how it, there's there's no playbook for being a first-time parent. I mean, it's <laughs> like they send you home with like a uh, a big binder when you leave the hospital. And say, okay, just make sure you follow these steps, right? I just uh, and I feel I feel like it's the same way with Tom Homo right now. There's there's no playbook for him. He's just kind of flying by, riding by the seat of his pants and and trying to make this all all work. But uh, and you saw the players were just ecstatic in their post-game interviews we had with them last night. They were all just saying how just how appreciative appreciative they are of Tom Homo for putting the schedule together and allowing the chance to play. And I think that's how the whole fan base feels. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cupcakes on the schedule, um, but the fact that they're just out there playing it was it was just so fun to watch last night. See a BYU team running out on the field and uh, having this opportunity. So you kind of just take it uh, you just take it at face value and and root on your team. And we'll see how the cards lie here at the end of the season if the other teams step up to the plate want to play them. Um, if not, you know, then we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if there's bowl games and how that all works out as well. But just support them in the meantime and enjoy the ride. All right, and don't be too hard on yourself about that 2008 win over Washington because you broke them. You broke them emotionally <laughs> with that win. That was uh, yeah. We we were the uh, we were the ones that their whole season to go downhill. That's what we tell ourselves. That's exactly so. right. Keep telling yourself that. There's nobody to say anything else at this point. So just look in the mirror. <laughs> we broke them. Yeah, we broke their will. That's that's what caused them to go over, for sure. David, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, DJ. Take care. All right, David Nixon, former BYU and NFL linebacker, BYU TV football analyst, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And by the way, that note on a first-time parent, let me just tell you, <laughs> I distinctly remember we had a split-level house and the garage downstairs kind of on the left, and you go in the door in the family room, and, and the car carrier that snaps out because the kid's sleeping, and my son had to stay in the hospital for a few days. He was our, our first kid. <laughs> and I distinctly remember opening that door, walking in the family room, and thinking, I can't believe they sent me home with one of these. They, everyone knows they shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I can't be in charge of this. And then quickly I realized my parents lied to me. They were bluffing the whole time like they knew what they were doing. They were making it up as they went along. (sighs) But I just, you know, modeled my behavior after that, and I made it up and bluffed my son. So later on, he can bluff somebody else. That's the way it works. Welcome to parenthood. I don't know what I'm doing here. I hope this works out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, we're getting a lot of reaction here from uh, from football fans. BYU, 55-3. to three. Literally no one saw that coming. Nobody picked BYU by 50. Nobody picked them by 40. I saw Nobody one picked tweet by 30. last night that actually had somebody picking them 56-3. to three. You did not. I'll see if I can find it. And they, they made that prediction in the middle of the third quarter? Based on what I saw, the timestamp on it, I had it before the game. The line was bouncing around. Both teams were favored at different points. Yeah, it opened up with the Navy as being a favorite, then it moved to BYU. Right, being but a neither team was ever favored by three points. No, it never got to three. It got to two and a half. It opened. And that reflects on the fact that we didn't know a lot about either team. You're not seeing practices. There's less word. Navy's breaking in a new quarterback. BYU's got to travel across the country and. 55 to 3 happened. All right, your reaction to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Heelan of NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. We've seen comparisons of Dwayne Wade and others. Can Donovan Mitchell be the superstar that a team needs to take them to the finals and eventually lead them to a championship? I think he's a guy who's a true number one, but you're going to have to find a strong number two, and that may not be rude. Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq in a very different NBA, and then he needed LeBron there to win the next couple. The hardest part of building a championship team is there are number between 8 and 12 guys in the league you can say, I can build a title team around that guy. And Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to be one of those guys. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there, especially today. Salt Lake City Schools just announced they are closed. Ten minutes ago, that tweet came out. Davis District closed schools earlier this morning. Reports of 90 and 100 mile an hour wind gusts. There are photos on I-15 of trucks sideways across the road up in Box Elder County. Looks like there's three or four trucks down up there. Everything's going wrong. The internet connection of PK has been knocked out, but we have a backup plan. PK, welcome back. Hey, DJ, I'm outside. <laughs> the wind is howling. I'm outside. Oh, I'm sucking in the air. How are you? I'm good. And here's the weather update <laughs> that you really need to know. Salt Lake City is announcing that Bonneville is closed. <laughs> now, I just saw the lieutenant governor retweet, and I can't find it now, so I don't know if it was 109 or 119, but there was some wind gust in Immigration Canyon or at the University of Utah that was just off the charts. So I think if there's 90-mile-an-hour winds at uh, Bonneville, it's time for you to find something downwind and 500-yard uh, drives coming. I could finally reach a par 5-2, and two, maybe have an eagle putt. Nice! It, Here's the deal. They closed Forestdale, they closed Bonneville, they closed Rose Park, they closed Nibley, but Mountain Dell's open. And maybe well, maybe there's a different wind pattern in that canyon. I guess so. I mean, you have to assume so, right? But uh, Yach and I were finding that hilarious. Yach wants to drive the green downhill on number one. <laughs> oh, he probably could. I, I, of course. I want to give this a shot right now. He could drive the city and forget the green. <laughs> Tee it up at Mountaindale and drive a green at Glendale. <laughs> Glendale's I, I open, played, too. So. I played uh, bon- or, uh, Mountaindale yesterday. It was seven over on the front. I was just as irritated as can be. And then Classic responded with one over on the back. And you end up being who you are, right? That's about right for you. I know, but it was just, just so frustrating. So, but, uh, yeah, Were you on the lake say, or the canyon? The the can uh, lake. Okay. She likes the lake. My wife, so we play the lake. Uh, so yeah, I heard you say that Salt Lake City announced that Bonneville's closed. I think Bonneville just announced that Salt Lake City's closed. Lowest <laughs> wind going on. Yeah, everybody chills. Man. Yeah. It's crazy. Stay home. Shut it all down. Yeah. All right, for the people who are just joining us, because now they don't have to go to work. Um, oh, the state capitol is also closed today. The governor has tweeted that out on the list of things not happening. Uh, don't They've got big trees down up there, and so don't go up there. Crap, I was going to protest today. I thought today might be the day. 
No Pac-12 football. That's what I'm protesting. I want it back. (laughs) (laughs) Go march on Larry Scott. Larry! (laughs) All right. 55-3. to Top three takeaways from this game. What are you feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, the offensive line was designed to be good this year, you know, because we talked about this yesterday. You you play these young guys, and you got to have a payoff, right? You put in any any kind of work, no matter what it is, when you think about it, any kind of thing that you're doing that you put a lot of effort into, school, parenting, in this case, working out, you got to have a payoff. Well, we had the payoff for the offensive line last night, right? Isn't that clearly number one? 301 yards rushing. If someone's running for 300 yards in that game, everybody's figuring, well, it's Navy, right? I mean, they're going to run the ball 60 times if they get a chance and average five yards a carry and they'll have a 300-yard game. You can go back. They won 11 games last year. They had some games where they did that. And the fact that it was BYU, and it it was just obvious to us from the start. I don't think you needed some big football brain to think, wow, those are some big holes those BYU running backs are going through. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And Lapini said that uh, right off the bat in his uh, Zoom conference remarks last night. <laughs> well, duh. You know, you're going to open up those holes. Uh, of course, just about anybody who's a collusion running back at this level is going to be able to have success. And they were. It was so startling. It was like, wow, man, I cannot remember the last time BYU dominated the line of scrimmage to this level. Uh, I... I just literally don't remember. So, I mean, to me, that was clear what it was about, uh, that they were just so dominant. So they're getting this payoff. And it'd be interesting to see. You know, I'm sitting home here. I've been watching Channel 2 on the weather, and I think I've seen the commercials probably this morning. Uh, it's disappointing that we had the power outage, but nevertheless, I'm watching the weather. Uh, I, I would say probably – 472 times Channel 2 has announced that or advertised that the BYU's next game is going to be on Channel 2. What? Why wasn't I notified? <laughs> Someone should have told me. Your idea. Army, 130 yeah. a week from Saturday. Be there, people. Oh, yeah. What's that? The 19th, I think it might be. Uh, they have just had it advertising like crazy because BYU's hot last night after they win, so they're just cashing in this morning. So, you know, if they can continue to do that, then that's going to just bode all sorts of success for them. And I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and think, oh, man, you know, what if? What if they would have played these teams? and Because that, that'll just drive you nuts, the what-if game. You have to take it for what it is and the fact that they got Army next and just worry about that. So that's the overwhelming thing. I think the defensive line, too, is number two. And then I really thought the, the, the back unit, I'll start with the uh, – linebackers, because I can't really say the secondary because they weren't tested that much. <laughs> and any time that they went to pass, there was no time. So, def- so number, you asked for three. So, yeah. obviously, offensive line is one. Defensive line is two. Linebacking is three. Yeah, I can sign off on that, and I'm totally with you on the secondary. I mean, they only threw like eight passes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, they'll, they'll, there should be other tests at some point. Uh, so, 
you've seen a lot of games because you've traveled with BYU to some of their bigger games. And David Nixon was bringing up most complete performance of the Kalani Sataki era. So if you go back to his first year, I think the win at Michigan State was the one that grabbed us all. That was a dominating win. Michigan State ended up being about a 500 team. Maybe they weren't bowl eligible. Maybe they were 5-7. and seven. Uh, But you're on the road. You're at a Big Ten opponent, and you were going to win that game. You know, in the fourth quarter, everybody's sitting around. Well, no, everybody wasn't sitting around. Some Michigan State people were leaving, and BYU fans were like, we're going to win this game. This is great. There was no, no drama at the end of that one. There was drama at the end of the Wisconsin game, but they made the big plays, and they got the win, and in the fourth quarter, it could have gone either way. And last year, Tennessee and USC in overtime – and given Boise State their only regular season loss, those were all really good wins. So where does this rank among the best wins for Kalani? Uh, for Kalani, yeah. That Michigan State one, I was at that game, and that was not as close as the score indicates. I don't remember what the final score was, but BYU really, really dominated that thing. And you're right, it's really fun. If you go on the road and you win in dominating fashion – people go home. And so you end up being a much larger presence in the stadium. And that's what the BYU fans were in that game. I can remember being on the field talking to Tom Homo, and he's just beaming because most of the Michigan State folks had left. You could just go home. You know, when you're on the road, there's no place to go. You can go back to the hotel, I guess. But, you know, you stay right to the to the glorious, not the bitter end, literally the glorious end when you went on the road. It's just I've seen it happen so many times over the years. So that was very impressive. I think Wisconsin probably is the number one. You know, I think that Wisconsin team was, what, 7-5? and five? But at the time, they didn't know that they were going to be a 7-5 and five team. And you go to see a ball game in Wisconsin, and it's very, very impressive. I mean, Madison is just a, it's a college town, and the entire town just lights up. Uh, it, it's the o- only place where I had been, got a hamburger outside the stadium just in the community and went to get a bottle of water. And she said, we've run out of water, but we haven't run out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working today. No, thank you. <laughs> the only thing I compare to that is I was visiting my relatives in Reno in uh, September and they were playing an early season. UNLV and Nevada weren't in the same league at that point, and they were playing the, the in-state game early, and it was a 100-degree day. And sitting on those aluminum bleachers in the sun, it must have been 110, and there was nothing, nothing liquid to buy in the stadium in the third quarter. Nothing. Soda, water, beer, they all had the signs up. We got nothing. You could just walk right yeah. in. You didn't have to speak to anybody. We got nothing. Yeah, those are. Brutal. It was burning hot that day. I was in the press box. Obviously, my wife was in the stands, so she had to go underneath. Yeah. Uh, and to pull that win off in that environment, I think definitely, in my mind, was number one uh, because it was just a, a, an unbelievable experience to to go. And I, and I need I need to say that I originally mapped out not going to that game. But Scotty G says to me, "Nah, I think you need to go to that game, man." <laughs> yeah. I, Good you, call. What? I thought they were going to get killed. And he said, no, I, I think we need to cover that game, so I want you to go. I said, okay. It's not my money, but, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to be uh, prudent here with the company's money. And sure enough, they freaking win. Unbelievable. And I snapped that picture of uh, 
Steve Clark jumping into I remember. Yep. arms. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Was that's on one of the best pictures ever taken, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's a little mini-me, and Jeff's an old former offensive lineman, so he's a big guy. So, yeah, that, I, I, I definitely think that was number one. But if you want to go dominance, certainly dominance was last night. I mean, come on. that I, I'm shocked. You know, I, I thought they had a decent chance to win, but just to dominate? So I when got, I went dominant wins, and you're better at this than I am because you've seen more of the games in person, but dominance, I was going back to the Vegas Bowl win with Oregon where they just shredded the Ducks. Oh, yeah, but you said Kalani. Right, I know, but I have to go back to think of a dominant okay, win. You know, because uh, Michigan State was 3-9. and nine. They were, I remember they didn't go bowling, but they were worse than I thought. One that was sent in as well was the UCLA win that they shut out. UCLA 59-0 in LaVille Edwards Oh, Stadium. that is a good one. Yeah, UCLA Hall had seven touchdown yeah, passes. They were so bad. In the they win. were so bad. <laughs> yeah, but that Oregon UCLA team was awful. Was very, very sweet. Because I believe that 06 team, uh-huh. uh, I've been saying this for years, I don't go way back to the 80s. It's hard for me to compare. And I know they had some great teams back then, and 96 was great too. But I think once that 06 team got it going, I think they're as good as any BYU team in history. And talk about the payoff. They had suffered. John Beck had suffered earlier. For you know, We know about the crying and ruining the weekend and all that. And, and even that season, I think they started 1-2, and two, losing at Arizona, I think right at the end. And NFL yeah. kicker Folk hit a 49-yarder. And then they lost an OT back at Boston College. But once they got it going on, and then uh, Pilati, that, uh, Bilotti, right? Was yeah, Mike, what was Mike Bilotti. Yeah. yeah, he kept saying the whole week, well, they, they don't belong with in, in this conference. They're not that good. I can remember Jake Caressaman out on the field just giving me an interview and then stomping away. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, they totally dominated that game. Absolutely big time. And you could say Oregon hadn't gotten it going to the level, but still, Bilotti, and even after the game, man, after the game, Bilotti said the same thing, that, yeah, I don't know that they belong in this conference. They could win at a high level of this conference. Like, they just thrashed you up and down the field. What are you talking about? So that 6 team, was it had everything that it needed. That was the pinnacle of Bronco Mendenhall and what he built to get them to that level. And what Brandon Doman did individually with John Beck to restore his confidence was just at the top of the line. So, yeah, if you want to go back to that one as most dominant in a game that you know had a name opponent, not a UMass or something like that, I've got no problem with that. Well, now it'll be uh, up to us to figure out as BYU gets ready for Army in two weeks. Army beat Middle Tennessee State forty-two to nothing. BYU beat Navy fifty-five to three. Now Army is playing this week, uh, but they got somebody else who's just completely overmatched. So I don't know that Louisiana Monroe. I mean that, and I don't know. Maybe Louisiana Monroe is really good. I shouldn't say they're completely overmatched, but. If Army's as good as we think we they are, if they're as good as they appeared to be week one, then they should win in a blowout again. Are we going to know anything going into the Army game, or have we now got two weeks of how good are these guys and how bad were those other guys, whether we're talking about Middle Tennessee State or Navy, or conversely we're looking at how good Army and BYU were? Yeah, I want Army to win. I would think most BYU fans want Army to win and win big, right? Because I go back to a Lance Reynolds line he once told me in the tunnel at Colorado State years ago, the old uh, coach who was at BYU for many, many years, 
And he said, half the battle is believing that you're good. And you, you have to believe that you're good. And if Army wins this game in a blowout, which I'm anticipating, hopefully they do, they'll go into that game in, what, 12 days, believing that they're good, believing that, hey, we are going to win this game. So that ups their level of confidence, particularly early in the season when you haven't been beaten down. That's why the Wisconsin win was so good because it was early in the season. Wisconsin hadn't suffered a bunch of losses, and certainly they hadn't been still. They didn't even suffer that many losses at home. So winning at that place is very, very difficult. So Army's going to believe that they're good, and the great thing about it is each team is going to have the other team's attention. Yeah, and <laughs> yes. it's set up, and 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 Saturday afternoon. This is you know we talked about how Labor Day night. This was BYU's dream as exposure. Well, now they're going to have it again. You're going to be on CBS on a Saturday afternoon. What time did you say that one, game starts? One thirty. It's the SEC time slot. We well, always see a big that's SEC Alabama, game. That's LSU. I know. That's Auburn. That's Georgia. We're we're used to that uh, time slot there. Who are the two guys who always do it? Who's the the old quarterback? Gary Danielson, yes. isn't that that his slot? Yeah, yeah. And now Brad used Nessler. to do that game, and uh, yeah, and now it's Nestler. So, yeah, and, and by by that point, you know, we're well into September, so people have made the jump and the transition from summer to fall, and fall means football because we'll have had a couple of weeks of NFL football. Hopefully, hopefully everything goes off. And there's not, uh, you know, I, I, I still have the concerns of the underlying health issues, obviously. That'll be with us for who knows how long, and we have to take that very, very seriously. But assuming, which is a big assumption, that things can be pulled off, that's football time, man. That is, you're starting to get into fall hardcore. Growing up back east, I can vouch for that. I mean, summer's gone at that point. And you're thinking football all the way. It's just ingrained in who we are as sports fans, men and women for that matter. It doesn't matter. Where, and it doesn't matter where you live. So that's just tremendous exposure. And are they going to do a rankings? Or you, you can't keep putting the Pac-12 and Big Ten teams in there if they're not playing, right? You wouldn't think so. Be, no, you would think right? that that would, uh, that would open up and, uh, you know, you'd be able to rank 10 SEC schools. <laughs> <laughs> That would leave 15 spots for everybody else. Right. Army's 2-0 and with two big wins. They're going to be in there. BYU, their big win. Everybody saw it. And if you didn't see it, no, you're ever, certainly aware of it. it this morning. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone who follows college football is aware that BYU went back to the academy and beat them 55-3. to Exposure's at your peak right now. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Nixon brought up an interesting point. I think a lot of BYU fans are thinking about it. I think there's three scenarios. I think there's two that work against the Cougars. But I think there's one that works for them. And you really only need one. So we will get to that next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Algiers really been running well, and Algiers has some room to the outside. Algiers headed to the end zone, and... Did he get the pylon? 
he did. Touchdown, BYU. Hey, you bet Algier's running well. Nobody's touching him. You're a college athlete, you're a running back, and no one's touching you? You are going to run well. DJ PK is brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. You know, technology screws up our lives sometimes, and we all hate it, right? You break your phone, you got to go get a new phone. Now you can't even go get a new phone because the stores are closed. You got to do it online. You got to wait for it to be delivered. You know, your computer gets slow. We've all yelled at technology. But let's all stop for a moment and say, here's what technology has gotten better and we all enjoy it. Has anyone ever said, ah, pylon cam. I don't want to see this guy dive at the goal line. No. That is a big old win for technology. Now, when your computer gives you that spinning wheel of death thing, yeah, I hate that. Hate it. Nothing to do but sit there and wait and watch while the computer's brain sorts itself out. But Pylon Cam, always a win. So during the broadcast, as BYU annihilated Navy 55-3, to and <laughs> Kirk Herbstreet tried to keep hope alive, and Reese Davis is having none of it. It's 14 to nothing. It's over. I played the game at a high level. There's a lot of time left. And, and, there's like, and Reese is like, now nah, I'm digging in my blowout notes. I'm getting out the blowout binder. Let's start by looking at BYU's schedule and see who could possibly pump them up. Army and Houston was a conclusion. Well, there's the two brand names that hopefully they have good teams and provide good games because otherwise... Uh, BYU's offensive line ought to push more people around. And the one thing they threw out when they talked about the schedule was, hey, Tom Holmo has said he's open to adding more games as the season goes along. Now, Tom's not saying everything publicly because ADs never say everything publicly because it's not the way you're supposed to do things. But clearly, for you fishermen out there, he's got a fish on the hook. He hasn't reeled it into the boat yet, but there's a nibble. And I think there's three ways this goes, and two of them work against BYU. But you only need one to come through. One, and they were joking about this on the broadcast, well, who's going to want to play BYU now? <laughs> and, and honestly, I think for half the teams, all the teams that are uh, 500 or below, they're going to be like, no, no, I don't see any point in doing that. What's the point of that? So anybody that Tom, and it could be more than one school, anybody had Tom has some interest from, like, you know, maybe we'll look at this date down the line. I assume if you're 500 below, you're not setting yourself up to face that O-line with NFL scouts looking at four players and evaluating them because they think they got pro potential. And now you've seen them push Navy around. That, that's not happening. So just put those away. Now, I don't know what the teams are. You know, but if anybody's in that bottom half, I'm thinking that, that uh, Tom's getting a no now. Now, the second thing, and I think this is understood from the get-go, and this is why it isn't spoken, and this is why Tom didn't go public. This is probably reason number one, that blowout's reason number two. I think from the second Tom had any conversations with anybody and said, hey, we might, what about a game on this date? What about, you know, here in November or something? Well, teams have open dates, but they've got to be ready to move games there, and we're already seeing some games canceled. It's kind of be a Major League Baseball scenario here where uh, – you know, the Marlins and the Cardinals got hit hard, and somebody else has been hit. There was a third team. I can't remember who it was now. Um, maybe it was the Mets. I don't remember. Anyway, so, but the other teams kept playing, right? 
You know, the Marlins were shut down, but everybody else is playing. The Cardinals are shut down, but everybody else is playing. So I think we're seeing that in college football. SMU and TCU aren't going to play this weekend. Tulsa and Oklahoma. Tulsa hasn't been able to practice. TCU had a breakout. So some of these games may get rescheduled into the dates where Tom was hoping to get a game for BYU. But the one scenario that is left is if you have a team that is good but isn't quite there, and, and what, where I would go right away is uh, the America Athletic Conference. If you have a team that looks like they can win that league and has a good season going and needs one more quality game because they're trying to get into a playoff, and they need a little more oomph to their schedule, that's where BYU might be able to pick up a big-name game late in the season. Some scenario there where a team needs a quality win, and they call BYU. That is out there. So we'll all have to wait. We'll have to see who, which teams are in that scenario, and then if Tom gets a game with them. That's the thing to keep your eye on going forward. All right, DJ and PK. Hey, Ross Dellinger, national college football writer for Sports Illustrated, is going to join us in 30 minutes. Stay with us.